Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Caterpillar Podcast. And tonight we have a returning guest, Lord Saf. Do you want to introduce yourself? Well, hello there. Yeah, I'm Lord Zath. I'm a North American community contributor. I've uh, been playing this game since closed the end of closed alpha into closed beta. And uh been in love with it ever since, having a lot of fun. Uh my channel is uh twitch.tv slash lord underscore zath, and it's all about um, helping players uh, grow and improve in the game. So we feature a lot of uh, people's replays, all, uh, wins, losses, draws, co-op, training rooms, clan battles, you name it, we cover it. If it's a replay, I can do it. And we'll talk through, uh, you know, what, what uh, players are doing, the decisions that they're making, the, uh, you know, their thought processes and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I've played this game so much. It's uh, it's the way I look at it is it's an opportunity for me to share a lot of that knowledge uh, with players who are at all different levels of the game. Well, that's the best part about communities that spring up around games like this, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's the whole thing. It's all about giving back to the community. Yeah, and uh, our topics tonight will be the, the latest dev blocks. There aren't that many of them, and then we'll talk a bit more about subs and support carriers, which I suppose is somewhat part of the dev blocks. Yeah, we're sort of we're not quite repeating ourselves from last week, but it's uh, similar subjects, shall we say? L let's just say that this this game had a certain subject like submarines that has been basically a current subject for over half a year now. Because <laughs> mm. there's plenty to complain about, at least. <laughs> well, but I mean, the first dev block is just a small notice that there's some changes to Edgar and Atlantico. And I think Atlantico is coming next patch with the dockyard. Believe so. So. Anyway, relatively soon. So uh, it's probably mm. going to be final soon. But of course, you know, we will have to wait until it gets released, until there will be content about it. Yeah, sure. we, we must be moving towards the final, the finalized version, though, which uh, I'm interested to see. I'm still, I'm still quite interested in it. I would still quite like to get my hands on the Atlantico. The fact that they're buffing it a little bit, considering the various nerfs it's had through previous... Dev blogs is uh, is quite nice that, that they're sort of hopefully finding the right level for it to keep it fun and uh, actually make it somewhat relevant. Because well, Barbara that's... wasn't terrible, but it, I don't know about <laughs> fun especially. That's the hard part for any ship, though, right? Uh, you know, I just I just did a, a review of the FR twenty five, and I'm like. Um... Yeah, not having fun. But hey, you know, if you want the ship, pick it up. So, I mean, that's that's the hard thing. Uh, you know, Wargaming essentially is going to be selling the ship to the dockyard, right? Through uh, doubloon um, boosters and possibly just outright doubloon purchase. So, you know, uh, they, they need a ship that's going to be compelling for people to want to build, to, to want to check it out. And I think a lot of people, when Atlantico was first uh, teased and uh, shared out there, people looked at it and said, oh my god, you've got 234 millimeter secondaries? Like, you know, this could be, this could be fun. Oh yeah, I, I definitely was one of those people. <laughs> yep. 
Oh, Yaka Diego is asking where Stevie is. That's my cat. Uh-huh. And Yaka Diego, just for you, there you go. He's he's in his bed where you'd expect him to be. So I'll just put him up there. <laughs> I mean, it, it isn't unknown for the entire podcast to get derailed and just talk about cats. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, that that this is this is what I do on my channel. I do have uh, the Stevie Cam there. Uh, he he's uh, he's turning eighteen soon. Tm. I just wow. don't know exactly what his birthday is. Um, so yeah, he he's been a part of this for a long time. Uh, a feline. I don't even know what that would be. Septuagenarian, octogenarian. <laughs> Something like that. Run, anyway, eighteen. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, we're hoping for more run in the future. <laughs> so um, uh, next on the dev blogs, we have uh, some more super ship changes, a uh, couple of subs in the San Diego as well, which uh, from its initial offered stats did not look at all promising. And I know Little White Mouse in particular has wanted it in the game for uh, quite a long time. And I'm sure lots of of U.S. Navy fans have as well. It's one of the most decorated ships of the U.S. Navy in World War II. Uh, mm. It looks like the idea they had of it having it being slow firing, uh, but having SAP shells, um, they've actually uh, somewhat abandoned that. It's going from 8.5 to 5 seconds, but they are uh, nerfing the damage of the SAP a bit, and they're also replacing the HE with AP. So it, oh, it's yeah. basically losing its ability to set fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're limiting the main battery re- reload booster to a base number of two charges. Um, they've increased the cooldown. They've decreased the action time. Uh, and they've actually inversely buffed the defensive AA consumable, which doesn't really compensate for much. But I think most people would be fine for having a much better base rate of fire uh, as opposed to having to rely solely on the main battery reload booster. I think that's just going to make it a lot more palatable for a lot more people. Sure. It, it only just about reaching the Atlanta rate of fire when you have your main battery reload booster available every so often. But I don't know what you so, guys think about that. Yeah, I mean, I, what that does is that does, um, it lowers the skill ceiling, or skill floor, I should say, uh, of the ship a little bit, because you're less dependent on timing a consumable to be able to do a lot of burst damage. So, yeah, I could definitely see uh, see that helping overall. We'll have to see how it uh, how it goes through testing and everything, right? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that will be... Uh, certainly, it, it seems more interesting to me now. Um, it's also getting a heal. Mm. Not that yes. many tier 8 cruisers which have a heal. It doesn't, does it say how strong a heal it is? 139 hit points per second. I don't know what percentage of the health that would be. So somebody else will do the maths and figure it out, whether that's <laughs> a, a good heal or well, a standard heal or whatever. 50% Citadel damage recovery, isn't that higher than normal? I thought Citadel damage was 33%. Yeah, I think it is yeah. normal. Uh, I wonder if that puts it in the range of the British cruiser heels, then. So, I mean, it's going to be gets... a very squishy ship, right? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, anyone that's played the Atlanta or the Flint or now the, the, the Chumphon knows exactly how squishy those ships are, and they've got sort of, you know, tier, tier 5 levels of hit points when they can see tier 9s, or in this case, it'll be able to see tier 10s. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think the heal is probably a far more welcome addition. And as for it losing HE, I, I personally would be fine with that. Uh, just because um, we have enough pew pew HE spammy ships. And oh, definitely. Um, if you don't mind, one thing I do want to mention before we go too much farther, just so everybody is aware, uh, I am a super test coordinator in addition to being a community contributor. So, um, you know, I do have access to things that are in testing. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we understand yeah. the, if the stuff is so, on. You know, right. Talk about we've had people like Drakov before, and he's in a similar position. Sure. I just want to make sure you know for your viewers to understand. You know, if I say something looks like it's going to go this way, that doesn't mean I know it's going to go that way, or is an improvement or not an improvement or anything like that. So, you know, I just wanted to put that out there, <laughs> so everybody, you know, uh, everybody's on the same page. Yeah, and you have you have to be obviously careful in in what you say if you've played a ship. You, you while you can't discuss the stats, you're technically not allowed to discuss mm-hmm. your impressions. Yep, yep. And even if I had haven't played a ship, you know, there's always the possibility I'll say something and I'll be right. <laughs> in a sense. And, and then they're going to be like, "Damn it, Seth, you broke NDA." And I'm like, "What NDA? I didn't do anything." So better be safe than sorry, right? Yeah, definitely. It reminds me. I was a complete aside, but it reminds me of the story of um, when. Uh, Doctor Strange Love was being filmed, and at, at that point, the interior of the B fifty two was still highly classified. So they just guessed because a big part of the film takes in, uh, takes place inside a B fifty two bomber, mm-hmm. and so they reportedly were visited by the FBI, wanting to know where they'd got the information from. I, I, it might just be a completely apocryphal story, but I want to believe it's true. <laughs> well, hello, Sam. <laughs> so, um. So, yeah, so San Diego, I think, looks like it'll be a much more uh, interesting ship for, for most people and not quite so specialist. Um, they're actually adjusting the conventional torps on both the, the Salmon and the Bilal, giving them both extra speed and extra range. So I'm wondering if they're wanting to um, hmm. maybe slightly more encourage people to use those rather than the homing torpedoes, but Doing it on only those two ships, I don't know if that's if this is just like a, a test adjustment to see how it affects the performance on those two ships. Now, when I you're saying they want to make across the when, across the board, when you're saying only those two ships, are you basically saying they could be doing it on the German subs as well, but are choosing? I mean, not they could to? be doing on on the tier sixes and the German subs. Yeah. Okay. Um, but. For whatever reason, they've only chosen it to do it on those two because I, I think it's it's the case for both nations at the moment. The conventional dump fire torpedoes are much shorter range, and mm-hmm. um, therefore um, harder to use. But at the same time, if you pop up in front of somebody at point blank range, the the higher damage. I've seen that happen a couple of times, but for the most part. And this is also from from me having been playing some subs across the last week. You don't really get the opportunities to do that very often, especially mm-hmm. in the higher tiers. So it, it's interesting because the um, 
uh, on the Palau, I think the homing torps are like 12 kilometers. So the, the dumbfire torps are now almost as, as long ranged as that. And 69 knots is, is pretty fast on a torpedo as well as a base speed. Uh, I mean, if I remember correctly, Wargaming wanted to distinguish the two lines by making the Germans more focused on homing and the Americans more focused on the dumbfire torpedoes, or at least yeah. that's something that I think they mentioned in, in a previous dev block or somewhere. But the problem okay. right now is that if you want to shotgun somebody, you're usually not going to use the dump torpedoes, you're going to use the homing ones. Because they buff the homing torpedoes so much, in a sense, they have a very short arming time, and they do, I think, over 80 knots. So, hmm. and while while a 60 knot or a 65 knot torpedo or something seems reasonable, if you compare it to like the 80 knot torpedo or so that you have also to dispose, it's much easier to hit somebody at close range, even with with the homing torps, right? So the homing torps are the better dumb fire torps right now. They they do less damage, but if you get more hits, you'll end up doing more damage. So a lot of people just ignore the conventional ones and okay. use, uh, use the other one. I don't see these changes particularly affecting that, but it seems like they're trying to move in that direction. Yeah, I mean, the, with the additional range, you could argue if if you just want to do long-range topping. But the thing is that submarines are just very powerful if they get up close, especially with the current changes to submarines. They are not very easy to sink. And with with like the fast homing torps at close range, you just have basically zero chance of dodging. And mm-hmm. I've I've personally I'm not really interested in playing subs, but I've watched a lot of Mr. Gibbons, and I I can recommend him if you want to see somebody who knows how to play his subs. And it's it's like you know, if if you if you are a destroyer, you have two options: sink or run. It's like today I saw him, uh, he, he was in a Palau and he was chase, uh, charging a Haaland, right? And Haaland can even shoot depth charges to its front, so it doesn't have to be on top of you. But Haaland mm-hmm. had no chance. He, I mean, he, he, took, uh, he took maybe, I don't know, 4,000 damage or something like that, and that Haaland was one shot, more or less. You can't dodge those top. You can't just... The thing is, right, you go to... to first, you go to a uh, telescope... How is it called? You operate and... Uh, yep. Right. So you basically you're only spotted at like two kilometers, but you can still see the the destroyer. So you just go towards it, and what's what's it gonna do? It can it can't really it can try to hit you with guns, but it can't see you. It can shoot its uh, depth charges if it's a Haaland. At least it can shoot it towards you, but it's never gonna sink you, right? And you just unload all of those torps, and at two kilometers you can't dodge a single launch torp that does eighty knots. You know, it's funny uh, that you're talking about that. Uh, it makes me think back. Have you guys ever played the original Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES? No. My first console I ever, ever had access to was a friend having an N64, so... Oh, okay. Sorry, I think I just dated myself a little I'm, bit I'm then. I'm Johnny Come Lately when it comes to consoles. So, on the original Nintendo, there was a game called Silent <laughs> Service, which was all about piloting subs. I grew up on that thing. I loved it so much. You were you were an American sub, and you'd go out on war patrols trying to sink Japanese convoys. And the best way to deal with the convoy escorts was once you got detected, not to dive super deep, but actually just to put the, the sub into reverse to keep the bow pointed at the destroyer. And 
as it came after you at a certain range, you would just luck chuck your torps right at it and it gets smacked in the face and sink. And what you're saying kind of reminds me a lot of, of that kind of play style, which is hilarious because, of course, real life, that's not how it worked. You didn't have a, 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 a German sub against an American escort or, you know, an American sub against a Japanese escort. They're not going to just throw her in reverse and skim the surface of the of the water and just, you know, dumb fire the torps right in front of them. I, it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, Yeah, it, 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 it can get... It can get a bit absurd. Definitely. Um, well, thank you, Tom. Before we get onto, fully onto the subject of, of submarines, um, we also have uh, well, we, Edgar's reload. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to get to that. Yeah. That's going up by a couple of seconds. That's yet another change to Edgar. And some changes to the United States as well are actually... Uh, massively up-armoring the, the deck armor to 38 millimeters. I know that was one of the vulnerabilities of it. Mm-hmm. Before we continue on that, though, uh, you, you went over Edgar, and I just want to mention, so the main battery load time in alternative fire mode was increased. At the same time, the other dev blog we talked about, the Atlantico, the alternative fire burst mode now has three bursts instead of four. Yeah. So, oh, yes, yeah. So those are two nerfs over two different dev blogs to one ship. It's worth commenting on that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, well, to be honest, I would say the, um, <laughs> I have to say that the super ships generally, I mean, we know now that we're getting on, on the tech trees, but I'm still, um, I'm still not that interested in them overall, I've got to say. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't mind the concept, but there's nothing there that radically interests me, and especially a, a squashy British high-tier cruiser with the burst mode. I mean, I've played the Annapolis a bit, and I wasn't terribly impressed with the burst mode, so I don't know if it's going to be oh, really? worthwhile on the Edgar. I haven't had an opportunity where it's actually been worthwhile to use it, but maybe I just haven't oh. played it enough. See, I, I I spammed it in ranked. Some of you might know I do uh I do I like to do a ranked speed run where anything goes, just go in and die, but try to take someone down with you and move on to the next game before you get too <laughs> salty and upset, right? Because ranked will do that to you. And there were a number of games uh, with the Annapolis, and then also with the French, whatever it's called, Condé. Oh, Condé is it Condé? Yeah. Yep. And you know, in both of those situations, uh, the burst fire. When you got on the side of somebody that wasn't expecting it, like a Moscow or Stalingrad, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was ridiculous what you could do with it. Um, so but it, all my experience was in random battles. So ranked probably would be a bit different. Yes, because in ranked you can isolate your target a lot easier than in in randoms. Randoms, there's too many people that can counter what you try to do. I mean, yeah, I've I've only played super cruises in in. Random battles. I say that the the burst fire mode can be useful, but it's highly situational. It's like mostly, uh-huh. for for example, like let's say you're in Annapolis, right? And you radar a target, and you usually you know when your last salvo will be before the destroyer escapes, right? Before it goes mm. out of your radar or expanded island or whatever. And at that moment, you just burst fire, right? You you shoot it regularly, and then you know, okay, now it's gonna leave my radar range, so you throw a burst after it, and that can be super useful, right? Whenever you know that the target is no longer shootable, probably with the next salvo, you just unleash some burst on it. 
Oh yes, if you if you catch somebody like basically you catch them in a turn or they are briefly visible in broadside, right? The, the amount of damage you can do with this burst mm-hmm. is quite scary. But it needs special situations. So you you basically you just shoot regularly and once you see, because I mean you don't have to prepare the the burst in a sense, right? You just press one button when your guns are reloaded and suddenly you burst. Mm-hmm. I, I do kind of want to at least try and get myself into a situation where I can get up to like uh, I don't know an, an Edinburgh or a Neptune or something and just press a button and just watch them go poof. Can't <laughs> you do that already? Well, <laughs> not, not quite so quickly necessarily, unless you have big guns and get lots of spells, which isn't that hard. Let's be honest. Uh-huh. But, I mean, you're right. So, like, I think one of the hard parts about super ships is when they bring in that new mechanic is learning how to play around that mechanic. Um, you, you can't depend on it all the time. And I think that's, to me, that that's uh, an indicator of good game design when you put something out there and you don't make it so overpowered that it's like a crutch for, you know, mm-hmm. for players. I mean, what that's the thing, even with just the, the Annapolis, even playing... And more or less not using that that burst firing mode. I was still having an okay time with it. It was still an okay uh, heavy heavy cruiser for the tiers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Annapolis is just a slightly bigger Demon, and I felt like if you like a Demon, you're probably gonna like Annapolis. Now, because this, the yeah. the turret that you gain is in the back as well, it's not as easy to always use the additional firepower because sometimes it's just you 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 know you need to angle more. Just knows in, but still, it's. I felt like it's it's an okay ship. Now I I missed the legendary module. I have to admit, because that's one of the things that makes it the more so enjoyable. Mm. But I had some fun in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're bringing more of these ships out, like the Edgar, than. It makes sense that Wargaming is trying to be careful with uh, how powerful the ships are. I, I would probably wager that they don't want a ship to come out that is so OP that, uh, you know, the, the whole meta shifts and everybody just jumps on that, right? They want these ships to be a natural progression that players can say, hey, this might be a fun, you know, tweak on what we already have. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Of, of all the changes recently, I'd say... Uh, super ship seems to be the less, the least controversial. Um, of course, they aren't without controversy, <laughs> but you know, um, it's interesting to see what uh, what wargaming is going to do with it when it's all said and done. I mean, but I have no problem necessarily with expanding with tier eleven because the the problem is you're gonna run out of stuff you can do at a tier to keep it balanced and. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. Wargaming isn't the best at balancing anyway. But there is only so much you can juggle the numbers with fire rate and damage per shot and reload and so on and have ships that are all balanced and uh, slightly different. So at some point, you need to like just go up. And at some point, you need to realize, yep. okay, if we, if we make ships more powerful, they really need to be another tier, right? Although I don't know if you guys have talked about it on a recent episode, but the, the change, of course, in the freeboard, right, that the height yeah. of of uh, the Petro and uh, the Tashkent, uh, to me, that signals that Wargaming is considering that as another balancing mechanism for, you know, other ships as well. So to me, like, 
that's that's kind of interesting. They're they're opening that as a as a new possibility for balancing. Yeah, I seem to like that's that's something that hasn't really been touched on that much. I know there's been instances, individual instances in the past where the community has pointed out a specific ship and said, you know, this this looks like it's sitting too high or too low. Yeah. Um, like gearing, for example. Yeah, generally Wargame doesn't tend to. So I think I think this is that's one of the, the first instances we did talk about it last week, but I don't know if we really mm-hmm. touched on that. That yeah, they, I don't think they've really used that as a balance no. mechanism before. So no. yeah, that's, that's they've they've moved to Citadel hitboxes, for example, in North Carolina. Um, historically or famously, was was changed. Um, you know, and and they've done that for other ships as well. Um, but they've never taken the entire ship and said, let's make it sit deeper or let's make it sit higher in the water. That, so, that is something as well that, you know, that there is some, I, I hate to <laughs> to bring the words historical accuracy into, into things, but yeah, there were <laughs> different um, loading states of different ships and, you know, the, the difference between well, the peacetime loading versus the, the kind of full combat loading might be quite significantly different, for example, so... That's a good point. Yeah. Also, I mean, I correctly, it was also one of the ways that the like various other nations cheated the the various naval treaties. <laughs> but um, Britain <laughs> kind of did with some of their cruisers as well, with with basically getting a, a, a special measurement of their own ships for their their displacement, which kind of gave them some. Uh, Yep, some extra leeway that other nations didn't get. So yeah. Well, and the the Japanese uh, with like the Furutaka, they they started with light cruiser guns, and then later planned on removing them and putting heavy cruiser guns in as a way to cheat on displacement. And if I remember right, Germany just lied with like Bismarck <laughs> yeah. and, as, as and did a few Italy. others. <laughs> right. So I mean, you know, and America towards the end just said to hell with it. We're just going to go, and what are people going to do? Stop us? Yeah. So. You know, it's kind of funny when you have an agreement and, and the, uh, you know, I, I teach AP economics. We talk about the prisoner's dilemma and uh, game theory and the incentive to cheat is very high, especially with the Washington Naval Treaty. If everybody else does what you're what you agree and you're like, I'm just going to build like three super battleships over here. Don't don't mind us. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it is interesting looking back how much they were. I mean, you know, they were proper international treaties, but they were also. There was definitely an element of them being gentlemen's agreements as well, kind of thing. I mean, in America, you have the Kellogg-Briand Pact that outlawed war. What? <laughs> <laughs> war is illegal. Signed. Like, all right. That sounds like fun, post-World War I. Um, it didn't really age that well, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you must... You, you know what, Jedi, the, when you said that the, the Fibon orbit would change with how much they load, that, that, that makes me wonder that co- technically you could have a mechanic like that implemented in a, in a way that you could maybe in Game Boy Import or, you know, like change your ship, right? Maybe that you you have an option to maybe make your ship faster, but it's uh, it's not as slow in the water, right? Or things like that. No. Maybe that there are different configurations or different things that you could apply to your ship. So choices that have pros and cons. Hmm. Yeah, I like I mean, kind of what <laughs> they did with World of Tanks with the. I mean, they, they what they did with the whole. Um, I can't remember what the system's called now, but basically, you take your elite vehicle and you can grind out a series of, of side grades, so you can. Um, 
choose a thing that you know makes your tracks more durable um but um has a slight like speed penalty or you can have a speed buff but your tracks are weaker kind of thing and you can just mm. I mean, it really is just added as a thing to to, to grind out, but it, it is there as a concept in a lot of tanks of, of, of yeah. this kind of, uh, you know, you can take a thing that gives you a, a bonus, but it also will come with a commensurate penalty as well. So, yeah, that's, those kinds of... Well, that's kind of what the... Uh, the, the legendary model was supposed to be, but didn't really end up being i was waiting for you to get to that point yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was gonna make it if you didn't yeah. <laughs> but you're absolutely right that was the whole idea right like a choice that that gives your ship improvements in one area comes with drawbacks in others and unfortunately there were some that had no drawbacks or the drawback was very minimal to the point where things got changed uh, des moines is a great example of that and I mean, yeah, unfortunately, so they right. they sort of just dropped the idea, right? Because they just didn't make any more for for the ships that they added. They 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 mm. basically just dropped yeah, the idea, which is a shame. It's well, unclear if we'll ever get any more legendary upgrades at this point. It, if they're just kind of done with that idea, it feels like they they found it was. I mean, it's an experiment, and I always talked about this before. Everything that wargaming does is an experiment. There's nothing that they do that's meant and designed to be final, ready, you know, to go or whatever, like done. So you have to look at all these decisions, even on the live server as, you know, subject to changes possibly. And I think, uh, I think these unique upgrades, I mean, that was, that was a, that was something new that Wargaming wanted to try. And perhaps the fact that they're not really doing much about it is a signal that, uh, you know, they're not happy with, with, the result, wh- whichever way that may go. Hmm. Very true. Yeah, um, I, I assume they felt they are not incentivizing people enough to to grind something or so, so they they weren't mm-hmm. worth the effort for wargaming, so they dropped the idea again. Mm-hmm. But the the it's, sad part with wargaming and things like that is that I feel like they don't really put in the effort to try to make things work. Like with with like uh, uh, operations, like wargaming has majorly botched the way they handled operations, and then they were like, "Oh, it's it's the players just don't want it, right?" Instead of owning up to the fact that they mishandled it gravely and that they are the reason nobody wants to play operations, they just used it as an excuse and then threw it all away. And I feel like with the legendary modules, they didn't want to put in the time into properly make them interesting and balanced and so on. They had this idea, they tried it. There was mm. a lot of potential. They've were unwilling to actually work on it and then threw it all away again. Yeah, I think the hard part with operations is the fact that you're now taking a group of seven players and putting them into a battle, which uses the same resources or at least similar resources under particular servers as a full-fledged random battle. So which would you rather have? You know, 24 players satisfied in one battle or seven? And when you scale that to thousands of players, you know, I can understand from that perspective, but I agree with you. I, I, I really wish we'd see more from Wargaming in regards to, uh, in, in regards to these, uh, these operations. 
I mean, the thing that you always have to keep in mind is that the player base that's more interested in PvE is not necessarily in PvP. So first of all, you could increase the reach of your game if you'd actually worked on that mode. And the other thing is that I don't think adding new servers, like, I mean, there might be limitations with how much or how much you can do in a match, right? Like how the game is programmed. If too many people are in a match, maybe you can't scale that. But just having more server space available for additional games, that's something that you can scale very easily and that easily have the resources for that, right? So they mm-hmm. could have absolutely gone down that road without a problem. Now, yes, you could argue uh, why why be, uh, more servers cost more money, even if it's easily doable for them. Why would they do that if they can just throw it into random battles? I feel like it's for them, basically, if they just have one game mode that they focus on, it's less work in a sense. And maybe they felt like the additional players they attract with offering options aren't that interesting. Hard okay. to say, obviously, but, but uh, I mean, they, they could have gone for it and they chose not to. We do know that there is a sizable audience of people that, that only play co-op, though, and, and I suspect there's probably a large overlap between people that play co-op and people that play um, operations a lot. So I don't know. And that, that's that's a good point. Those people, you know, it's not like they don't have any money at all compared to, I'm sure they have just as 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 much disposable cash as anyone else, kind of, you know. Did, much, so. did you know that there's an entire subculture of players and warships that only play tier one? I, I, I've, see, I've seen the screenshots of, yeah, thousands of battles in, uh, in tier yeah, one ships. Yeah, and they know each other. They say hi to each other and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and... And off, off they go to the next battle after they die. And it's like, blows my mind, but it makes sense, right? At tier one, there's no radar, there's no hydro, there's no torpedoes, except if you get pulled into a tier two game, I suppose. There's no carriers, there's no subs, there's no super ships. You know, it, it, it is the most basic uh, mode possible in this game. Uh, yeah, and also there is no concern about resources, and I don't think you can even use captains at tier one, can you? It's I'm like sorry, say that again? I think I'm sure you can, but can you I, use I captains know. at tier one? Yes, you can. You can unlock captain skills okay. at tier one. So there are people that have 21 point captains at tier one rolling around, and some would say that they're seal clubbing. But if that's all they ever play, is that really seal clubbing, or is that just they enjoy it that much? That they've literally ground out a twenty-one point captain. It, it's not like they can play against very new players, anyway. It's because of protected so, matchmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's fair enough. Um, I had I had the thought of maybe before we get on to talking about support carriers, uh, you did mention earlier the FR twenty-five. I don't know if you've played that eight ten, but I know I haven't. So if you if you wanted to give a brief, a brief mm. pricey about that, uh, I know it's basically. A French destroyer on the Italian line, but with SAP shells. Is yeah, so it, it has a bit of an identity crisis because it was a French destroyer that, of course, the Italian Navy inherited. So um, it's it's like uh, one of one of my one of my viewers today put it a good way. He said it's a it's a baguette that they turned into bruschetta. Um, <laughs> because, like, really, if you look at it. Uh, it's got the it's got the fuel smoke. It's got the Italian style engine boost. So the consumables are Italian, uh-huh. but the guns are French, and that's important because the 
problems that come out of that. 139 millimeter guns are fantastic with the with the French destroyer line because they can sit it out cruisers. But you don't have AP in the FR-25. You have SAP or HE only. Mm, and that okay. really limits a lot of what you can do. And I kind of feel like there's two different play styles for the FR-25. One, now mind you, this is only with one game of experience. So take, you know, take that with a grain of salt, whatever you need. Um, I, one way of, of play style is very similar to Apollo Emilio at Tier 9, which is you smoke up, you YOLO a battleship with your engine boost because it's got the increased engine boost. Um, and, and you just, you just get in there, dump your torpedoes and laugh as, as they go poof. Um, I did that today on stream. I, I basically dev struck a Bismarck who apparently either forgot he had Hydra or just didn't have it available. Most likely did not have it available. And as a result, you know, we all just kind of said, Hey, this is fun and whatever. Um, it didn't win the game, though. As many of you know, playing Paulo Milio doesn't win the game. YOLOing a ship doesn't win the game, unless you can YOLO maybe three ships. Then it then it has a good chance of winning the game. Um, the problem is the guns are rather anemic with its reload. Uh, so the other style of play for that ship is playing it like a like a long range French destroyer. So you spec into guns, you spec into gun range, and you stand off on the distance. You use your your fuel smoke and you use your engine boost on alternate timings in order to juke shells better. Uh, you know, both have their merits, and I think it comes down to the way that you prefer to uh, to you know to play that particular ship. But like I had said on my stream, it's a ship that frankly I don't recommend uh, unless you are an advanced player. And this is no offense on anybody looking, you know, listening to this and saying, well, you know, I'm an advanced player, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, an advanced player knows how to take weaknesses to ships and negate those and take the strengths of a ship and magnify them. An intermediate player knows how to do one of those two. And a beginner knows how to do neither of those two, at least in my opinion. A beginner is going to take the FR-25 and just get himself killed or herself killed pretty easily. An intermediate will take the FR-25 and wish that they had taken literally any other ship in this game. An advanced player will take the FR-25 and find a way to make it work, but it will take them about 50 or so battles in order to do that. So, in general, I don't recommend the FR-25 unless you're either a collector or you're an advanced player that's looking for a different way to play the ship. Okay. All right. Sorry if I went too deep for no, you. No, that's there, fine. But... Sorry, yeah. it, it sounds. It, it definitely sounds like it's a lot more niche. Like it's not not for everybody. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that can be something there for because like, sometimes you are looking for a challenge when when you're mm-hmm. thinking about what ship to play or what ship to buy. Exactly right. Exactly right. Anyway, so um, yeah, we come on to our final dev vlog, which is a complete. 180 as far as stun bombs go. Uh, so for anyone who was unfamiliar, there was a dev blog that uh, popped up last week where Wargaming announced that it was going to be uh, a line of support carriers, which would still be even tiers, basically be a new branch of carriers, and that they would be focused around uh, basically inflicting various effects on the enemy team and doing things for your own team. 
Mm. And one of the, the, the main kind of offensive uh, things is uh, uh, having stun bombs, which would basically block your, uh, your use of consumables. And I think there was, uh, did they show it off on a dev stream or something? I'm sure I read somewhere. It might have been like on Reddit that, that, that it had been confirmed that the effects of stuns could stack, which seemed even more horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, basically after only a week of internally testing this, they've decided to, um, they've, they've acknowledged that, that, that players weren't really in favor of it and that it's only taken them a week of testing to actually then go, oh yeah, that, that actually isn't a good idea, which is kind of like, you know, a whole bunch of people going, I told you so. Because <laughs> stuns are never popular in, in any kind of online player versus player game even pve games they can you know depending on mm. if, if the uh the uh the, the ai gets to use them against you you know play, players don't like being locked out like that and uh yeah in the world of tanks the stun effects of artillery are incredibly unpopular so that um, was one of my comments about the old rts style uh carriers was I hated the whole strafey strafey BS of, well, you know, I, I got my strafe in, therefore you can't do your attack because you lost all your planes. Most of the time it was the opposite. I lost all my planes in a strafe attack and, and therefore like that's locked me out of doing what I want to do as a carrier. It's one of the things that I liked about the CV rework, but personally, I never liked the idea of dropping summon fighters and stuff like that because that goes back to locking people out of what they're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where, of course, the Bayern comes into play. And if you've, if you've seen the Euro video, I'm sure you have, where he basically locks out the entire enemy carrier just by dropping a plane in front of it. Like, wow, yeah, that's the fun. The, the, the fighters on that thing are ludicrously strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail your, your conversation there. No, no, I mean, that's, that's actually the conversation here, I think, right now, I suppose. And to, to elaborate on Jedi's point, I think it was possible to basically lock the consumables of a ship for the entire battle by just repeatedly dropping it, and they could never get it back. Because they didn't implement anything like diminishing returns that games usually have for immunity after getting dropped or something like that. Hmm. I think basically anyone being on the receiving end of that would get like that. That's levels of frustration where you either quit the game or you start thinking about, yeah. you know, shoving your keyboard through your screen kind of thing. So, well, it, so it, think- it, it, it's just it's slightly boggling that they had the thought to begin with, but it's good that they've basically come out so quickly and said that yeah, okay, this isn't suitable. So I'm gonna. Jump out on a limb here and say I'm actually glad that they had the thought because, uh, you know, I think at this point in the game's development, what are we what, what are we seeing here? We're seeing super ships going in one direction. We're seeing support carriers. We're seeing subs, and it really does feel like wargaming is kind of and and I don't know because I don't work for the damn company, but it feels like they are trying to figure out where do we go now. Um, Atom, I think you mentioned before, right? We're we're at tier tens. There's not a lot of content to draw from to build upon at this point, other than paper ships, maybe subships within classes or something like that, and subclasses. But even then, that's not that's not enough to 
keep you going for years into into the future. So subs give them that option. Support carriers, frankly, that's another way to bring other carriers in, like the Hiryu that have been pulled and Wargaming promised to bring in a long time ago. So, okay, fine. And, you know, super ships, well, that's a way of getting to Tier 11 without actually calling it Tier 11. Um, I'm just glad that they're not going missiles just quite yet in Cold War, right? <laughs> yet. So, I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I, I like that Wargaming is saying, hey, we're, we're going to test this mechanic. We've got this idea. We're going to see if it works or not. Um, and to be quite honest, uh, I, I kind of feel like, at least in terms of support carriers, uh, I, I will give them some kudos here because they had the balls to come out and say, you know what, it's not working the way we wanted it to. In, in my opinion, uh, the worst thing that could have happened was they, they released this dev blog and said, uh, you know what, stun bombs, we're going we're gonna to decrease the duration of stun bombs by half, right? The impact that they do by half, but they're still going to be part of the game. Because that tells me, like, they're not, they're not listening, they're not looking at the way things are working and stuff like that. And remember, I'm not talking about this as, you know, a tester or anything like that. I'm talking about this as a player looking at this saying, well, Wargaming is clearly saying this isn't working the way that they thought it would work. I mean, what you were saying about, about stun bombs there, though, I mean, it's kind of, that, that, that is almost the exact situation we're in with submarines, though. <laughs> well, that's how it feels like anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's part of the problem. I think that Wargaming has kind of painted themselves into a corner here because now you've got two really controversial topics going on at once. And for the average player, they see both happening at the same time, and they're saying, holy hell, the worst thing that can happen is that both of these get implemented in the game tomorrow. So while I appreciate that Wargaming is being upfront and saying support carriers were testing this in a closed test environment before it hits live, before it hits whatever other test uh, features are out there for, for the company, they're saying, you know, we're trying this and it, it doesn't work. The problem is that the average player doesn't look at this and say, well, okay, this is six months in the future. I better plan my exit from the game or whatever the case may be. Um, they look at it and they think, oh, crap, this is coming with the next patch. Um, so I think that's a that's a bit of an issue with Wargaming. I think they could have done a better job of communicating that piece uh, to try to put things at ease. Subs, hey, they're, they're going to be here sooner than support carriers, at least based off the way things are looking. So I think well, I mean, the community. Sorry, go ahead. Now, really. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so I think the community needs to be focused more on subs at this point and support carriers. You know, you can you can sharpen those pitchforks, but frankly, you're not going to use those pitchforks for a while. I think I think to be honest, it it was the stun bombs that attracted most of the ire, that most of the negative feedback. Because the, the article actually notes then. And this is the thing we were talking about last week as well, that the, mm. the smoke generator, basically an airdropped smoke screen for your allies and the uh, the, the radar-destructing chaff uh, consumable, um, mm -hmm. they actually seem like not bad ideas. Those do seem much more like something um, which you would be helping your allies rather than just constantly frustrating mm -hmm. an enemy player over and over. Potentially, which is you know sort of how it can feel like right now with a submarine that keeps pinging you over and over. Yeah, um, as a destroyer player, I love the idea that there's a counter to radar. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, 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 that seems like it. Like overall, the idea of support characters is not a bad one. And we were actually discussing last week, and maybe you can chime in some thoughts on this. But mm-hmm. um, what if if we had um, support carriers bringing in mechanics from the Operation Sunray, uh, where where you had um, various kind of like team healing effects or team buffing effects? If you could, um, oh yeah, even, the original. Uh, yeah, I even bring in um, oh, what's it called the the mode where this the airdropped buffs arms but, race yeah, arms, arms race. race maybe even something akin to arms race where no. every so often in a battle you can drop you know a, an okay. area in the water so that your allies will get some either like a, a perma buff or, or mm-hmm. just sort of some kind of timed buff for you know thirty seconds a minute whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 they does seem actually to be a, a fair bit of potential with support carriers. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if you have anything, any any thoughts on top of that. So, for those of you guys who are listening, what what uh, Jedi just mentioned about the uh, Sunray mission that that's the old Halloween operation back before the rework. Uh, if you were to take the Lexington, which was the Nobilium you would have various consumables that would impact the entire team. Things like prevent the enemy team from firing guns for however long the duration of that impact was. Um, and a very good Nobilium character, uh, player was pivotal to being able to five-star that mission. It was really helpful. And I agree with you. I think, I think if you're going to play a support carrier... I love the idea that you're helping the team. I just don't like the idea that you're screwing the enemy at the same time as helping the team. And I think that's the balance that Wargaming needs to find. How can you help the team without completely screwing over the enemy's ability to do what they want to do? And I think Stun Bombs is a great example of, hey, it was screwing the enemy too much. We got rid of it. Cool. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, frustration. Like, If you you have a mechanic that is explicitly just going to cause immense amounts of frustration to mm-hmm. to uh, players being on the on the receiving end of it mm-hmm. uh, that that that's not a good mechanic for your game overall right and there's right. always going to be some variation of you know some people will be more frustrated by things than others but you know so you have to kind of find a balance somewhere but um yeah i think overall stone stone bombs everybody seemed to agree were way too far on the side of this is just going to be bad for everyone bad for the game kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, i think everyone's happy to see that idea gone but uh, yeah I, I hope they do come back with something uh interesting as far as support carriers go because i'd rather that than just more of the carriers we have at the moment if we must have more carriers i'm i mean i so personally i'm a i'm a navy geek i love naval history um, and I especially love aircraft carriers. So for me, and battleships too, you know, hey, who doesn't like battleships? So, I mean, like, to me, like, when, when it comes to carriers, I want more in the game. I want to see them take their rightful role in the game too. But at the same time, I don't want to see that at the expense of every other class in the game. Every ship has a purpose to play. Um, and to me, winning a battle in the game, I should feel like I won that in part because of my own contributions, but also in part because everybody else played their roles properly. Um, and, and support carrier is no different. So I love that Wargaming is trying to find a way to bring these other carriers in. Um, you know, I just hope that they'll take their time and 
you know, uh, be willing to admit mistakes where they come along. And, you know, um, I think the game two years from now, it's going to be interesting to uh, listen to this again two years from now and see what, what, what has happened to the game. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But to look back at it in two years in the future and say, this is where we were at. We're at a crossroads. What has Wargaming done with it? That's going to make or break this game, frankly. Oh, definitely. Uh, hold yeah, on, it's my... interesting to think about, yeah, how, how much could things change in the next two years? Because if you look back two years from this point forwards, you know, there have been some fairly significant changes in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like submarines currently are one of the biggest changes they, they have ever done. And if, if I mean, support carriers wouldn't be that big of a change, but it would depend on how they do it, right? Now, I like that they've acknowledged that stun bombs don't work. And I really want, I hope that the lesson that Wargaming really takes from this is focus on the support aspect, like on helping your team. As you said, like, they should be focused on helping your team and not annoy the enemy. And there is so much potential for helping your team. You can't just take inspiration from so many other games that have support classes. And I mean, yes, we are sort of enabling, um, I mean, there is so much magic and rainbows in, in World of Warships already, right? So that there, there, there isn't really much constraint for historical things. And you could have just simply like planes that drop water on a ship that's burning, right? To to take out a fire or drop, I don't know, drop paratroopers on deck of a ship that gives them buff or whatever. Or hmm. I'm, I'm okay with them dropping like a repair platform that sticks around for a little bit and everybody who gets close gets a bit of a heal or, you know, restore consumables. So yeah, there are a lot of things that you could do but you really focus on just helping your team and making them more effective. And there mm-hmm. is definitely a player base for that because support classes are part of a lot of games, right? Sure. Well, and I mean, you know, I go back to thinking about the um, the original the original Naval Training Center that Wargaming um, proposed at the uh, CC Summit. And I don't remember if you guys, were you guys there? Uh, no, no. no, we weren't there for that one, sadly. Okay. But yeah, it did it did change quite a lot in form from its original idea, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, so the original plan, for those of you viewers who don't know, the original plan was that uh, they were going to make it so that you could reset a line, much like today. Uh, but the difference was that you would unlock specific buffs for your ship that would remain for your ship. And they would they would stack with everything else. So you would get a an improvement in your reload, for example, uh, or your hit points would increase. And it, we 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 all looked at each other like, are they effing kidding me? Like, are they nuts? Um, and it, it it took a lot of us to talk to them about it, and it took a lot of community, you know, outrage, frankly, uh, before Wargaming said, you know what, maybe this isn't right, and they dialed things back, and that's how we got the research bureau. So if you hate the research bureau, guys. Uh, it's it's a lot better than what it could have been, <laughs> frankly. Um, I mean, but that, it's almost reminiscent of um, uh, the the uh, what was it the one point when they wanted to do that World of Tanks, the so called Rubicon update, or was it ten point I can't remember. Oh, I remember hearing about that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they wanted to tie buffs to um, the various um, emblems and things that you could put on your tank. And okay. that, that would give certain um, bonuses, and the community absolutely hated the idea because 
uh, it would be potentially a pay-to-win element, but also it would mean, you know, or you have to have this patch on your tank kind of thing to get the best bonus for this tank, regardless right. of whether you wanted it there or not sort of thing. So, Well, yes. and that's what, that's what we all brought up. We're all like, wait a minute, you know, like you're, you're turning into a situation where if you don't have this, you're screwed. So it turns into a haves versus have-nots kind of a deal. And, you know, to Wargaming's credit, they looked at it and finally said, you know, this ain't right. And they, they made the change versus forcing it upon the community and then realizing later, like they did with the Rubicon update, now nah, we screw that up and then having to roll everything back. Isn't that what they did for tanks? I think they were just they, – they ended up scrapping the entire, the entire idea and the entire update. In the right. End. So – you know, hats off to them for figuring that out. But, you know, it took a bit to get there. Yeah, sometimes a bit of prodding is required. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's okay. Like, these guys do play the game, whether they're in community or otherwise. Uh, you know, I interviewed for uh, for Wargaming, and I can tell you that uh, they did say that it, the expectation is you will play the game, you will know the game, and from time to time, it's okay to be paid to play the game, which uh, is kind of cool. Like, I don't know that many other game companies that do that, but, you know, that being said, I think it's important for, for any game company to always uh, be cognizant of what their community is thinking about and to be tapping on that pulse to find out where things are. Yeah, it it feels like Wargaming is, like, you need to shout very loud for Wargaming to listen to the community. That's also why I feel like whenever something like stun bombs come up, even if it's in the future, mm. right, the community these days feels like if they don't make immediately a lot of noise about it, then it's going to be ignored because that's how it felt like in, in the last years, right? Unless there mm. is an immediate... If they don't grab immediately the pitchforks, Wargaming is going like, oh, yeah, okay, people are fine with it, let's go with it. And once an mm -hmm. idea has progressed too far, it's a lot harder to turn it around because Wargaming really gets the teeth into something. They don't like to back down. So smothering an idea like that in, in its infancy is a lot easier. You just make a big fuss about it and then maybe Wargaming gets, gets it and they're like, yeah, okay, we will back down. And that's I mean, a bit of a shame, but it's really how it feels like these days. There are times where the community has gotten things wrong too. I mean, were you guys around when the the original Graf Zeppelin was released? Was released? Yeah, yes. the, they tried to balance that through community feedback, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they created a monster yeah. as a result. Which I mean, I loved when I played it, but I hated when I played against it. You know, so it's like you know, um, yeah, but I. I think that's an exercise that both sides have to work together. You can't just expect one side to know everything. That's very true, but you also can't like have the people who have a ship balance the ship that they have, right? Because it's not <laughs> like the, the, the like they, they didn't have the community balance the ship, they had the ship the people who had or wanted the ship balance the ship, right? And it's not oh, like yeah. they ask the people playing against it, like, is this fine with you? It's like would you like your ship to do more damage? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would like. Would you like your ship to do even more damage? Oh, yes, yes, I would very much like that. And it's like, that's not really an... an uh, it doesn't take a genius to see how that works. 
That's like sure. that. That reminds. I, mean, I forgot which game it was, but there was a game where like they they had a survey at, at the end of the game every time. Like if if you enjoyed that game and whatnot, and to try to get information to make the game better, and they dropped that. And after some time, and I said, what we figured out is that people like winning games and people don't like losing games, and that's the only wow, information they got from it. It's it's. It, it, it always reminds me of that when Wargaming comes up with this. How much did you enjoy this battle? It's the most useless thing that, <laughs> a kind of thing that you can ask a person after a match. Especially mm-hmm. if you can't even clarify why. Because no matter what I click on it, I don't know why I clicked on this, right? That's true. Because if I'm really salty because I died early because my team wouldn't support me, blah, 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 I'm going to rate that a one out of 10, right? And if I won the battle and I carried it and blah, 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 I'm going to rate that a 10. So, yeah, that's a good point. That, that's a very good point. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's also like if I was in the show and there were seven raiders on the enemy team, even if I win, I'd probably not rate that battle very high. But how do they know that I chose that because we're destroying seven raiders? That's not a situation that comes up often enough that you'll find that in the mm. statistic. If you, there isn't a reason for me to give why I rated it like this, it's pointless mm-hmm. information. So in other words, uh, a lot of that survey data is missing the context necessary to interpret that data. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah, well, so... Um, I don't know if there's much more to talk about with that. Yeah, I think we've, I don't know if, if there are any more ideas to support carriers. As I said, I, I'd really like to just see them like ships that support your team and not really annoy the enemy that much. They're, I almost they're wish. Probably, they're probably one of the few classes where that, that idea really works as well, because, you know, there are other non-combat naval ships out there, like um, replenishment tenders and supply ships and whatever, but you wouldn't throw them into the middle of a naval battle, so that, that doesn't really work out. Oh yeah, I'm just going to sail up my my oil tanker next to this uh, battleship in the middle of a firefight and uh, just replenish them. Sure. I gotta say, uh, you know, I almost wish that support carriers were the original carrier rework. Um, obviously, without the stun bomb, sure, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I think, I hope that uh, this would have been a. Uh, easier way to bring them into the community instead of having people like Aishu go and have, what was it, 400k, 500k damage games early on? Like, mm. You know, like, uh, I, I think it might have been perceived differently by the community if they saw that as, hey, this is all about buffing your team, not supposedly screwing your enemies. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. There's, there's, there's more than one way to play quite quite a lot of these uh, sort of player versus player games where you, you don't necessarily need to be all about just doing damage all the time. Yep. Because, that I mean, that's me to a core. When I play games, I'm more of a support person. I love to enable my team to do things. And that's how I play ranked. That's how I play anything. Um, and so, to me, I'm very excited about the, the idea that I could do that in Carrier. Um, but, I mean, it, it com- ultimately comes down to how Wargaming implements it before I, I know if I can do it or not, you know? Well, yes, yeah. definitely. And it's something that we've also mentioned last week, but uh, another concern basically is that what I've said is they want to just make them, besides the regular carousel, also on the event years, and they treat them the same as the regular carriers. So you could have one support carrier versus one strike carrier, and that's very hard to balance because carriers are just so different, right? 
and mm-hmm. having them both equally strong but so different that's not very easy to achieve so it would just be so much simpler if they would make support cares odd tiered that you know uh, that reminds me solved. that that is true uh, that reminds me a lot of back when wargaming didn't have a mirroring setup for matchmaking for carriers and so you could have a strike zuiho um was my one of my favorite carriers at tier 5 uh, against no carrier on the enemy team boy did i farm that was great you know uh, or, or there were cases where you would take an air supremacy bogue and not have a carrier on the enemy team and said, why did I give myself one dive bomber and two fighters? <laughs> you know? Um, so you're absolutely right. There, it, there's some need to, to work out on balance there. Absolutely. I think, I think it will be a while just, just from the tone of the article and the, 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 the fact that subs are probably such a, a big occupation of their time right now and super ships and other things. Yeah, I think we were, you were definitely right when, when you say it's going to be probably quite a while before we see any sign of uh, support carries, even on test servers, let alone the live server. Yeah. Guys, this is this is long-term. I mean, it's, it's Wargaming being... trying to be transparent and then getting their face smashed in because of their transparency. So, you know... Uh, yeah, yeah, look yes, at it that way. yes, but also, you know, this this kind of visceral feedback is still feedback. This this absolutely wargaming exactly how popular or unpopular even just the idea is going to be. So absolutely, yes, yeah. it's still valuable, even if it it does seem a bit knee jerk at, at uh, first glance. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah, so I think that covers basically the dev blocks we've had. So what we've uh, wanted to talk about a bit some more generally is, I guess, submarines that now have been around for a little bit in its newest state. I mean, we've already talked a bit about submarines with, with the changes, I guess. Mm. The problem with submarines is that personally, I have no idea how to fix them. And I don't have, I haven't met anyone who has. They just don't quite fit into the game as it is right now. And they are very mm-hmm. disruptive presence. They reduce the amount of trips that are that are currently in the game, and the the, the counter mechanics just aren't really well thought out. In my the main, and certainly, I mean, I've been playing more across the last week since the last one, and tier tens especially. And uh, in my experience, the the main kind of counter to subs doing what they want to do is either A, your team collapsing so fast that you have no space to work with, or B, carriers. And um, uh, even even carriers just kind of incidentally spotting you can be uh, like just giving your position away, even if you then dive. You know, that's, that's really valuable information for the opposing team. Um, so yeah, aside from that, and you know, you might have subs running into each other if they happen to be in the same um, space. But sub versus sub combat is still pretty much just as clunky as it's ever been, to be honest. Um, it, I I've had a couple of instances of being able to hit subs with my torps, but because of the increased damage saturation. Um, now uh, it's it's not nearly as damaging as it used to be, and so it's kind of just relying on there being enough things nearby with airdropped depth charges to hopefully take it out. 
but even mm. then it, it 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 takes quite a lot now to actually properly sink a submarine so you kind of either have to be in a situation where you a completely screw up with the sub and get yourself out of position and get forced to the surface uh or else um your team just gets completely steamrolled and if you're uh you know not in that kind of situation then it it could be really really strong in my opinion and even just in terms of you know the psychological aspect of harassing somebody and forcing them to turn away because you've pinged them repeatedly or or burn a damage control party or something like that and to which there just really isn't any counter apart from if it's something with airdrop depth charges, you know, you can have a vague idea of where the ping has come from, but you don't know the range exactly. So I, I, I've very rarely been hit by just those kind of randomly dropped um, depth charge attacks. Maybe I've got lucky, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've made the area of the airdrop depth charges smaller with, with the last update, so you have to place they, they i think they said they made it more consistent if you hit if they are in this area but first of all you know if you only go by the ping by the oil spill it's it's not so easy to figure out exactly where it is because you might not know in which direction it's moving the other problem is mm-hmm. that a lot of ships just don't have airdrop depth charges because they're still the most effective tool of dealing with a sub you know? mm-hmm. but a lot of ships just don't have access to that right so there isn't really anything you can do. And then there is the fact that a sub doesn't have to use ping. It can't just surface right in front of you because even hydro, if it's, if it's diving, hydro only detects it at two kilometers and not everybody is constantly hydro running anyway. So subs can mm-hmm. basically just surface in front of you, like three kilometers in front of you, and there is nothing that can detect them except another sub. Mm-hmm. So a sub can always get close to a target unless it runs off dive time. And then unload all of its tops in a distance where you can't dodge. Of course, if there are too many others around, the sub might die if it's not careful, right? So sub, you still have to be careful at how much or how many enemies there are around. And if you mm-hmm. run out of dive time, then you can actually be hunted down. But other than that, there isn't like, there is the, the ways of detecting subs are really lacking. And the, even if you detect them, unless you have airdrop depth charges, they're Often it's just nothing you can do, even if you know where it is. And, you know, to add to that, and we've, we've certainly had this discussion before of, of well, you know, if you go, go it the other way and make subs much more fragile and much more easy to spot, then there's no point playing the subs <laughs> kind of thing. So, I mean, I think that's part of the problem Wargaming has, right? They've got this new tool out in the game that they're trying to get people to want to play but if they don't want to play it then they're wasting their time so how do you get people to want to play it yeah i mean the other problem is that there is such a new concept that a lot well i mean everybody is new to sub well i mean i've been around for a while now but most people are still new to submarines right they there mm-hmm. are very few people that have really dedicated their time to submarines and, and trying to make them work. So a lot mm-hmm. of the data they are getting is just from people who have no idea what they are doing. And obviously, they aren't going to perform very well. And there isn't really mm-hmm. much of a manual to, to how to place up. So you have to go to one of the good players or so and check out what, what they advise you. I'm not sure how much good content there is actually around for subs. But there, there are obviously some streams that you can watch with people. 
playing them well. Sure. But most people are just going to be utterly clueless. And that's going to be a very frustrating experience for them and for the people playing against. And it's not going to give you much usable data for wargaming. And it's not helping that like the, I mean, submarine is, is not supposed to be easy to spot, right? But it just mm-hmm. doesn't fit into a 12 versus 12 fleet battle to have this sort of very stealthy. I mean, we already have destroyers, but there are tools against destroyers with uh, raiders and, uh, I mean, generally, the concealment isn't two kilometers on a destroyer, right? Imagine if you could have a destroyer with two kilometer concealment. That mm-hmm. wouldn't be fun. But <laughs> subs are sort of uh, going wait, into their territory. A destroyer with two kilometer concealment. That's Paulo Emilio, right? When you're <laughs> charging somebody. <laughs> oh, At least you can, you can hydro that. You can't hydro the sub, though. Oh, okay. That's true. That's true. That's true. Sure. Who, who remembers the old days when you can fail matchmaking? tier twos into tier tens and you know when flooding was, yep. was way more powerful and people were taking yep. the mikazes into tier ten games just getting like you know five kilometers <laughs> my favorite was the eerie you always you always see this random eerie and you're like welcome to tier eight you dumb <laughs> you know like yeah. and the person just wants to play with their friend and their friend's like i'm not going down to your tier you come to mine so <laughs> you know hey that that that's on both sides but still like yeah yeah. I mean, there, there are things people do. You just look at it, you're like, why? <laughs> I, I have had the thought since last week, and I don't know if any of us can particularly come up with answers for this question, but how mm. how might submarines have looked if Wargaming had had them in the game from the very beginning? I mean, do we think they might have been abandoned in the early stages, or... No, we have some kind of workable class. Because, I mean, the thing that kind of made me think of this was um, Steel Ocean when it was around. That launched with submarines as a feature. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the 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 few selling points that made it um, a little bit different from World of Warships in that it, it did have submarines available. Oh yeah, I know a few people that went and played that instead because of the submarine mm-hmm. part of the game. So sure, I get it. Um. I think if they were a part of the game for the past five or six years, they'd probably be one of those kind of forgotten classes to where there's only maybe one every ten battles. I mean, right now, carriers, there's quite a bit, right? But think back to the old RTS days. It was pretty rare to find a carrier to the point where it was maybe one in every five or six games, and you you would be fine until you got one, then you cursed that mm-hmm. you had one. And I think that's probably what subs would be like too, right? Like you're like, ah, crap! And I got the sub now to deal with, you know. Uh, I, the problem is that what Wargaming has shown in recent years is that when it comes to those classes, they they balance very heavily on the population target. Mm. Like if if they feel like they are not meeting the population target, then they are either up upping damage or nerfing counterplay to the degree that they get the population and they don't care what it does to the game. Maybe they'll care huh. once they have a, a player base actually drop significantly, but other than that, no, like the, the population target for them is much more important than to have either balance or mm-hmm. fun. So if they had been there for a long time, I've, I feel like if they had started with subs, they would have, subs would have filled more or less the destroyer role we have now. Okay. Destroyers might have gone a different route. 
Yeah, it's an interesting notion. Because mm-hmm. right now they, they can't make subs into destroyer sort or the same thing. You could have, I mean, yeah, you could have had, like, back then, of course, destroyers could still do stealth firing as a thing. You could have destroyers as the stealth firing boats and subs be much more focused around torpedoes, and that certainly would have been a lot more of a differentiation than we have between the two classes now. Mm. Not that stealth firing was necessarily a good thing for the health of the game, but... Yeah, I miss stealth firing sometimes. Oh, it was fun. It was especially <laughs> irritating if you were on the wrong end of it, though. True. Yeah, I mean... I'm- I mean, with, with carriers and support carriers, I'm wondering if there is a way to turn submarines into more of a supporting class, but I wouldn't see how. Hmm. I'm, going to, I'm going to shoot healing pings at your ship. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know that there's much that you, you, could, you could do there, really. Take my hangs. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's great, I like it. Um, I mean... They could more, and this would be utterly ahistoric for World War II subs, but they could more fully embrace the whole underwater combat thing and pit subs against each other. But then at that point, that's just almost, you know, that's mm. like the old RTS days. That's, that's two players mm. playing against each other whilst everybody else just kind of is doing their own thing on the surface in that case. Yeah, so and then that, you just you add the U571 soundtrack to the game at that point. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I don't know if that would have necessarily been any any better or would be any better with the, the current iteration of subs. I mean, I personally, the, the only really option that I see to make subs fit would be their own game. Because they just yeah, they, they don't quite fit into it. how the game flows or the game works in, in, a, in a good way. And nobody so far, neither Wargaming nor anybody else that I've just talked to, had a solution for how you can make subs work. Mm. You know, that reminds me of... Have you, any of you guys ever played the Battlefield games? Uh, Only the early ones. I think the last one I played was Battlefield 4, so it's been a while. Okay, so you're familiar with Battlefield 3 then? Uh, a bit, yeah. I don't think I've played okay. that one as much, but I did play a little. So Battlefield 3 had jets, and Force 4 had jets too. But one of the things that I was really happy with DICE over was the fact that they created a mode. It was part of their DLC, which, you know, when you have DLC, that splits the community regardless, right? Like, But they had, uh, as, as DLC, um, a jet-only mode, um, which I thought was great because it was a good opportunity for people that wanted to play jets uh, to to learn to play jets, but but only fight themselves and not like screw over everybody else. And I kind of feel like that wouldn't be bad for wargaming as well if they had a subs only mode, or you guys talked about it earlier, a convoy mode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I think it might be kind of fun to have a convoy mode where one team of humans is the convoy escorts and the other team of humans is the subs. Like that could be a lot of fun. Could be yeah, terrible I- too, but you know. Yeah, that's one of those those suggestions. I think a whole bunch of people have made by this point. I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. like you know, just give it a go, wargaming. Just give it a go. Let us try it out, please. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but yeah, yeah I, I do remember that though. Um, and also, there was the the, the console only. What was it Battlefield nineteen forty three or something like that? That had a similar mode where it was just planes versus yes. planes. Yeah, 
That's correct. I love that. I love that game mode. I played it a lot. Was it PS2, PS3? I can't remember. PS3 it would have been. It was PS3 because I played it on the Xbox 360. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you wouldn't even need like two human teams for for a submarine game mode because subs would also be so much easier to balance if they were against bots because you don't have to worry so much about how the counterplay feels and how effective it is and so on. If you mm-hmm. just focus on the sub experience, right, and make them in a special mode where you are subs and you hunt convoys, right, then maybe you have to avoid the destroyers or whatnot. That's so much easier to balance. It's a lot less work, and it you only have to really work hard on one side, and that's the sub experience, not the counterplay. And you could salvage mm-hmm. this whole mess into something good. But I'm, I yeah. uh, don't have a feeling Wargaming is going to consider something like that. They, they are going to... I wonder what actually happens if they ride the subtrain to the end and then lose actually a, blank, a large chunk of the player base. I wonder what that's, uh, that will lead to. I mean, to be honest, there, there are certainly games where I've been up against subs and I've ended up in a situation where there's just a sub banging away at me over and over again and then it's usually the point where, you know, after that game finishes, I just, like, that's it, and we will all warships for the day. Like, if subs were to come in the game as they are right now, mm. uh, I think that would just start to build my general frustration level with the game higher and higher over time. And, you know, it's not the kind of thing that would make me quit right away, but, you know, a year down the line, maybe? So one thing that... I feel comfortable about playing warships right now is they're not in ranked. So hilariously enough, a mode that generally brings frustration is relatively frustration free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah, but that would change once they're released. So the last safe haven would be <laughs> destroyed. Well, then we all just resort to playing tier one only. Or co-op. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know each I, other by name. people joke that I'm a co-op main, but I'll tell you what, the game is so much is so much better when you just play co-op. You win almost all the times. It's much more relaxing, and, and you just have fun. And there's something to be said about that. This is a game, guys. This is not like life. <laughs> you know, it's not a job. So, like, there are times where I'm happy just to go into co-op, or I'm happy to go into operations. Um, I mean, that, there are that, certainly okay. a bunch of tier sixes I've I've ground out partially through ops and sevens too, right? With yeah, yeah. So you know, like I I think um for for the the player that looks at this game and says I'm a random battles only player and fu wargaming I will always play randoms. I I think you're missing a lot of content. I think you're missing out on a lot of possibilities in this game. So. Open your mind. It's always a good idea to to try all available content and then just see what you like and stick with what you like. Sure. A reasonable amount to do in this for a free-to-play game, but, you know, there could be more. Bring back some of the I mean, you know... (laughs) You said it's a free-to-play game. Guys, I mean, I I realize that I'm a CC, and therefore I get certain perks and stuff. I've played this game for four years before joining the CC program, and I only spent $20 on this game. 
And that $20 went straight to the USS Texas. So Wargaming didn't actually pocket any of that money, which was important to me. Um, so like, you know, I've been able to do this as somebody who's a hype, I, I would say I'm probably hyper engaged, uh, as a player, but like, you know, I, I found what worked for me. I found what was exciting to me and I had fun. I found good people that I like to div with and play with. I found a good clan that I like to hang out with that later do clan battles. Ranked had, I, I've had a, I've had a love hate relationship with ranked. So let's just put it that way. Uh, mostly hate, but you know it's it's been that <laughs> way. So you know, I've I've always I've always had that stuff. Uh, but but through it all, I've always been here and I've always played the game. And um, you know, when it comes to free to play games, you you all have to understand that there's a spectrum that you're on. There's the I won't pay a cent, right side of the spectrum, and then there's I will buy everything you throw in front of me spectrum. And all of you fit somewhere on that spectrum. And I think it's important not to judge people where they sit on the spectrum, but more to understand where they're at and why they're at at that spectrum. Um, and everybody's game experience is different as a result. And I think that's one thing that's really cool about games like this. My experience as a free-to-play player has been different than somebody who bought every ship outright off automatically, even like to now with the... Italian destroyers being in early access, um, there are people who have dumped real money or just a ton of doubloons so they can get the Adriatico. You know, I look at them like, well, uh, no, I'll I'll just grind her normally because that's that's who I am in essence. As Tom says, I am the frugal Scotsman. Yes. So I mean, you know, like uh, that's what what I like about games like this is that you 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 can be all that that kind of uh different players now now think about all of those players at different player uh, different positions in the uh spectrum did i say atlantico uh it's the adriatico right but anyway no, i think you said adriatico okay but anyways i mean you know you put all those people on different points of spectrum now you put them all in a room together and agree on something good luck <laughs> so you know Yeah, I mean, oh. with that, it's it's obviously nice when a game offers you more ways. Like, for example, n next to the PvP, more like a, a co-op-oriented game mode, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I've always understood them not wanting to go too far, because, I mean, um, oh, what was the name of the tanks competitor that... Um, stuff. That's the one. Yeah, they, they almost ended up cannibalizing... Um, too much of their PvP player base into PvE because they did put a big emphasis on PvE, and uh -huh. I think it was enough that it actually impacted. Uh, it got to the point where it was it, at some tiers it was difficult to find PvP modes, but that game ended up having a whole raft of its own problems anyway. Mostly after uh, it was taken off Obsidian's hands and Mail.ru went full monetization, must milk out all profit mode which apparently is what they have the reputation for. So I don't think anyone was particularly surprised by it. Mm. 
But I mean, the, the thing is, right, there is no problem if your game just suddenly turns into a PvE game because the PvE player base, I'd argue, might even be larger oftentimes yeah, than I the mean, PvP. Like, when it comes to MMOs, they're mostly focused on PvE content. Mm-hmm. Most of them, right? At, so, at the end of the day, it's because as long as people are spending money. <laughs> yeah. There's two types of players that, that matters, and it goes back to that spectrum. There's players that play money, or that, that play money, that spend money, and then there's players that play the game. And you need both in order to be successful. True. Because the people who spend money need somebody to play with. And the people that just play need somebody to spend money to keep the game going. So whether you realize it or not, we're in a symbiotic relationship here. And so when people go and they say, I spent $1,000 on this game, you don't look at them and say, you're an idiot. You look at them and say, hey, you know, you enjoyed the game. You're supporting the game in a way that's that's different than the way that I support the game by logging in and playing it. Both have merits, and I think that's important for people to understand. I mean, so certainly one th- one response I always have when, when people are, you know, sort of moaning, oh, I've spent this much on, you know, World Tanks and Modern Warships or whatever, because, uh, I mean, when, when the, uh, the EU directive stuff kicked in and people could request to see how much they'd spent, and there was a lot of people going, I've spent how much? But... Uh, yeah, I always, I always think of, of that in the context of yeah. But if you played the game a bunch, if you think about it on you know amount spent per hour of entertainment kind of thing, so uh, it, it can end up being fairly competitive. But that that still doesn't really use when wargaming put out completely ludicrous prices for <laughs> for single things. Hey, everything is worth what people will pay for it. True. Wargaming True. understands that very well. Somebody somewhere must be willing to pay the ludicrous prices, even if it makes the, everybody else's eyes water. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's a certain ex-wargaming producer by the name of Pigeon of War. He was on the NA side of things. And he, he kick-started the wiki program, and I'm forever grateful to him for being uh, for, for doing that because... Frankly, you know, I uh, wouldn't be a super tester and I, I maybe wouldn't have gotten to CC status because of that or quickly. I don't know. But there was one point in time a few years back where he told us, like, he can look in and tell us how much we spent on the game. And there were people that would go in and and, um, and he would look at it and he would say that his dog was very happy with how much they spent because, of course their spending led to his dog being fed, right? Because of money that he'd earned and stuff like that. Sure. <laughs> and there was one time I told him, like, go ahead, check mine. He could share it with other people. And remember, I told you earlier, I've only spent 20 bucks. And he pulled up, he pulled it up. And you could tell the minute that he saw the response and he just looked at it like, the hell is this? And, and like, <laughs> he goes and he, he shares it and stuff like that. I've got a screenshot at some place, and he always told me, oh, it's NDA, but he's not part of Wargaming anymore, so whatever. But, like, it's it's hilarious to to, to be able to be like, hey, you know, but the, to me, that's what matters. But but to you, to other viewers, that, that's not what matters, right? So, you know, we, we each have different ways that we gain uh, enjoyment out of this game, beyond just playing the game. <laughs> And that's one of those personal ones for me, I'll tell you.
Well, um, we're getting on for about an hour and 45 minutes, so I think we've actually ended up going a bit longer than we thought we might. Uh-oh, because I had a question I wanted to ask you guys. All right, sure, okay. no, go oh, ahead. Sure, sure. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Because yes. it might be a bit of a well, bomb here. We set time limit. It's just, you know, mm. we aim for... <laughs> I mean, okay. I don't know how many people have been watching or listening this long. This but when we... They'll know that when we started out, we were like, oh, maybe we'll stretch out to an hour, maybe, somehow. <laughs> Um, yeah. so the last time I was on your show, last time I was on your podcast was literally what the day after or the day of the great CC exodus uh-huh. as people chose to depart. Yeah. You two both decided to depart as well. And you announced your resignation from the program on this very podcast, if I recall correctly. Um, I'd love to just take a moment and just check in. Um, how have things been for you guys? And I, I don't mind sharing my thoughts too, but how have things been since that uh, departure from the program for you? Uh, I think the thing I miss, if anything, is um, being able to to have access to the new ships that come out. Mm. to look out for my viewers. Okay. Um, because the kind of budget I'm on, I can't really afford to just go and buy every new premium that, that comes out. So, I mean, that was <laughs> definitely one of the more generous aspects of the, the program. Sure. And stuff like the free doubloons and free premium time was was awfully nice as well. But mm. mostly it's it's being able to look at stuff for my viewers. And these days I have to think very carefully about which ones I am able to look at. So stuff like the FR25, for example, um, I'm not, mm-hmm. like that, that's of less interest to me personally, but also um, it's, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's one of those ships that, are, that lots of people are going to be interested in. So I have to make the decision of, well, like, that's probably not going to be worth mm-hmm. my while in terms of any kind of return on that investment. So, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I can serve my viewers a little bit less well than, than, than previously. Okay, fair enough. I mean, for me personally, I don't think much has changed. I mean, I no longer have the, the giveaway codes for my community. But other than that, I actually still have a lot of doubloons from my CC days that I have never spent. I think I still have 80,000 doubloons. I could spend, uh, but even though like the, a lot of the stuff they released just doesn't interest me, I've always been the type of player who basically plays what I find fun. Sure. So even when I got a lot of ships for, there are a lot of ships in my port that I've never played even once, especially carriers. <laughs> <laughs> but there are just a lot of ships where I'll take a look at it like, this is just not the kind of ship that it's fun for me, right? So I'm not going to play it, right? This is not my play style. And. Mm-hmm. In that sense, I, yeah, not really that much has changed. I guess I'm a little bit happier because I no longer have the frustrations of this easy Discord. And, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I may or may not know those quite well. <laughs> so, I don't really miss. It's, okay. It feels, in a sense, less stressful. Because now I'm just, again, I'm, ju- I'm making more or less the same content that I've always been. But sure. in, in my CC days, like, it's, 
it started like I loved the CC program when it first came to part, and I was very proud to be part of it. And mm. I really enjoyed it. Back then, I felt like I could actually provide valuable feedback and such, and I could test things and so on. But you know, in in you couldn't even like play test chips anymore. You were you had to play oh, yeah. them even with fifty percent or so without a division and such like that. And I mean, yeah. that means you. Yeah, now you have to test stuff off stream. You can't even play with friends on your own. That's like, it's, that's, it's more like they wanted free work out of you instead of like helping you in a sense. So a lot of the things I didn't even order with then anymore used. And then you provide your feedback and you see just sort of go to the trash can or so on. And then there are so <laughs> many things that I just felt like they went straight against the community and straight against the feedback. They, they didn't listen to a word we said anyway. And a lot of the discussions just ended in frustration if you weren't outright ignored. So it's, it's honestly, it, it felt, a lo- it, it feels a lot less stressful not being part of that mm. anymore. Okay. I definitely, I definitely don't miss the uh, annoyingly frequent situation or, or increasingly annoyingly frequent situation uh, where, you know, they would dump a load of ships out at once and then you'd be just like, well, okay, somehow I have to form a coherent impression on the, you know, six ships that have just been dropped in our lap kind of thing <laughs> with a limited amount of time to do it. So that part's definitely less stressful. Don't miss that at all. Cool. I was just, I was curious, you know, um, it was really hard. I, I was thinking back to the last time I was on here and you guys even said, Hey, Seth, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to <laughs> because everybody else is like, you know, F this, I'm out of this. And here I am being like, I'm probably going to stay, you know, like, so like, you know, um, that was awesome. But like, um, you know, I'm just, I was just curious. I mean, um, one of the hardest things for me as a player, um, as as a person, I've I've often uh, built up relationships with people, and um, I think the hardest thing for me about this whole CC Exodus was the relationships changing as a result. And um, you know, I always considered like you guys friends. I always considered other. CCs that left the program friends, but at the same time, the nature of that relationship changed. And it was really hard for me to process that and to handle it, especially considering that, yeah, for a while it was like every other hour there was somebody else saying, I'm out of this, you know, mm-hmm. we're all trying to keep, tra- where, how many, so like, you know, to me it was difficult doing that. But I think it's important, I think it's important that, you know, you find what works best for you. And if you're happy where you're at right now, well, then that's where you should be. You know, like there's nothing wrong with with not being a part of the CC program or or, or what have you. And I would say I don't know how things are. You know, I know you guys are on the European side, um, but you know, if you enjoy the game and you're not a CC, that doesn't mean that you can't try to be a volunteer for other programs. Should you be interested, right? There's the privateer program. There's a super tester program. There's probably another program. I can't think. Oh, there's the wiki program. Um, there's other ways out there for you to support the game in a different way. If, if you, you know, want to do that. And that goes for all your viewers too. But, um, 
you know, it's important to me to hear that you guys are are doing fine and are doing well and that you don't regret the decisions you make. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, okay. life is full of regrets. Don't make this one of them. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it ended up being... Like, I, I think since all that happened, um, there have been definitely some positive changes and moves from Wargaming. Hmm. Maybe, you know, not quite as many as I would like, but I think they've been generally going in the right direction. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where, I mean, there was a while where I was kind of genuinely like, do I even keep covering World of Warships? But I'm much more comfortable doing that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think... like. <laughs> It'd be, I'd be in a difficult position if they asked me back, honestly, because part of me would want to, but at the same time, you know, I, I've, 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 I think, you know, I've been burned like twice now when it comes to wargaming and CC programs, so I, I think oh, yeah? that, that probably would be my limit. Okay. Well, I mean, way, way back when I was a CC for, I, I kind of came into World of Warships from the World of Tanks side and being a CC for World of Tanks. Okay. And right. ended up um, just quitting the the unified program as it was then over hmm. the whole Foshgate thing, which oh I forgot about that yeah and yeah. then came back just for warships and Jingles was in exactly the same boat he just came sure. back for warships as well uh, that was back when they called it Club War Gaming if I remember right I think it was on the NA side yeah but it was a bit more yeah it was all um, much more um based on the regions rather than the games at that point. So you had the, the EU sort of region yeah. doing its thing and then the NA region doing its thing. And Right. Yeah. Yeah, that feels like ancient history at this point, but it really wasn't that long ago in the scheme of things. That's a hard thing, guys. When video games, it, it, it doesn't feel like it, but it was a long time ago, sure. Yeah. It's like when you play that yeah. RPG and, it, and you're at the very end of the game and you start playing it again and you're like, the hell I started here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, for me to join any program of Wargaming again, I first need, would need to regain my respect. And while they have made some decent changes, they still haven't gotten there yet. They've mishandled their whole situation so badly and haven't really tried to make it up, truly. Like it, mm. they, that they've lost so much respect for me with how they handled human beings that I'd have a hard time accepting anything from them. And while that would change over time, the way they are currently handling submarines or so hasn't really helped with, sure. with regaining my respect so far. And honestly, the way they handle submarines, I'm not sure if I'm still covering this game a year from now. So, oh wow, maybe okay. at some point I'd be. It, well, I, as I said, Wargaming would still have to go a long way before I'd consider anything like it. I play the game as long as it's fun, but for me, it's like when, when I was a CC, right, that basically was a statement of me that I approve of Wargaming and of Wargaming a statement that I approve of me, right? It, it's like once you have this official relationship, even though you're obviously not employed by them, but it's like if you're willing to wear that CC emblem, that means at a certain part, you see like this is a company I want to work with, right? Wargaming says this is a creator I want to work with. And yeah, ideally, yeah. it's a nice symbiotic relationship where both respect each other. And that surely yeah. wasn't it at the end. And I can't, yeah. with a good conscience, say Wargaming is a company right now that I would want to work with or respect. 
I'll play the game so, because it's fun, but that's like, I use possibly like tools of uh, phones of maybe a company that I don't really like that much or that, that has done things all right. In, in life, you don't always have like, you have to make a decision on how much you hate the company. Are you actually going to boycott the product or just say like, I just don't want to be involved with this company really, but I'm still going to use this phone or I'm still going to use this uh, car. I'm still going to use whatever, right? Mm -hmm. There are so many companies in the world that are doing bad things at various levels, but you can't really boycott them all. In, <laughs> in a sense, you know, like, I mean, I use a lot of Amazon is a shit company, but unfortunately the service they provide is just so hard to replace that I'm still yeah. using Amazon a lot. And right. even though I don't really approve of a lot of what they do. And so it comes with video games. I play video games of companies that I don't really respect. But if, if I want to like wear their, their logo, if I want to actually work with a company, then I have to at some level like approve of them. And Wargaming has lost that, that status for me. Well, I mean, that's a good point, right? I mean, like, you guys are still, like, your content is still based off of warships, right? You're still talking about the dev blogs and stuff like that. And um, I'll, I want to take note, Adam, you, your category is talk shows and podcasts. So you're not putting it under the category of World of Warships, but still, the content is warships. And, you know, I mean, that what you said is is absolutely true. One of the things that I think frustrated me as a CC was watching you and other people leave the program. It didn't feel like there were any sort of exit interviews. It didn't feel like there was any sort of, hey, what happened? Why did it happen? What can we do to make things better? It was basically, well, F you, bye, see you. You know, like, you talk about human beings, and I, I would agree with you there, Atim. It, it, it's... It feels like we we are missing out on our shared humanity here. When something like this happens, it's not just, you know, uh, one person disagrees. It's, hey, we've royally effed up in some way, shape, or form. We need to be the adult here. We need to be mature enough to recognize that we screwed up somehow and figure out what it was that we did wrong. And I I, I feel like... Unfortunately, it took several articles out of major gaming publications for Wargaming to understand exactly the roots of the problem that they made as opposed to, you know, speaking with you individually and making you feel like a valued member of a community, right? Yeah, but yeah, also, um, like, they, they said they want to rework the whole programs on which they never did, right? They've, they've just, they had so mm -hmm. much public... It, it was very clear that they had no intention of themselves to correct anything or see the error of the mistakes. They made the appropriate noises because there was a lot of public pressure. And as soon as it died down, they all forgot about it. Mm. And they moved on with, with the merry way. And they, you know, it, it's like they, they had no intention of actually changing or correcting what they did wrong. But for them, it was like weather the storm and then just carry on because people will have forgotten anyway. Ah, uh, okay. I, I don't know that I see it quite that cynically. I think, like I said, that there have been some improvements, but um, yeah, that certainly like there, there was very little outreach to those people that that left. I think there were one or two people that were contacted. I don't know there was 
mm. some half-hearted attempts at reconciliation with Little White Mouse that eventually culminated in us getting, for instance, like the the Sackville camo and the the, the original sure. flag I mean, in the game. But that that was all sort of that that was such an excruciating process to get there that that yeah. yeah. It, it didn't bode that well. So, um, I mean, personally, I'm really interested to see who takes over from Sub Octavian, which I think is a thing we still don't know yet. And True. See if that that um, betokens any kind of uh, change in general, um, I guess, kind of management style of of the CC program generally, but also you know stuff like monetization as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's not just the CC program. It goes beyond this, right? Like many, I, I, I don't want to put the words in your guys' mouths, but a lot of CCs left, not because of the program, but because of the way things are being handled outside mm-hmm. the program, right? Specifically with Little White Mouse, but also at the time it was the uh, USS Missouri and the way that Wargaming is handling that. Yeah, uh, and there were... Some people it was just like the last straw rather than yeah. that specific thing. And, and there were a couple other things too, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, I would agree. Like, I feel like they had an opportunity to learn and grow from it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, they grew a certain amount. Whether that's enough for you or not is each person's individual decision. But, um, you know, we're now looking at this almost a year after. Wasn't it a year ago? It was uh, no, like, it was in it was in June. summer, right? So it's yeah, still it was in a, the summer. Still a few months until the anniversary, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I mean, in that time, like as you mentioned, so Octavian has left the program. Uh, whether or not that's positive is up to each individual person to determine, but uh, there's a lot of opportunities for change. And, you know, sometimes change is good. Sometimes change is bad. Sometimes change brings a lot of fear. So I guess uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, You know, I'm glad to see that you two are still doing content for warships, frankly. Um, You know, Pointy, when you messaged me and said, hey, would you like to be on this podcast? I mean, I, I was thinking to myself, like, dude, you guys are still doing this? <laughs> you know, like... Wow, yeah, we're like, this will be uh, the 40th episode? So it's, yeah. It's, yeah, we've been going for a bit now, I suppose, yeah. And, and that's great. Like, you care enough about this game that just because you left a program doesn't mean that you're going to stop producing content for it. Well, I, I think that says something about the game, and it says something about you as a person, too. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's fantastic. So you better believe when you asked, I'm, I'm like, well, I got nothing in my calendar. Boom. Let's do it. You know, like that's an easy, that's an easy decision. <laughs> in my opinion, right? Like to do. Well, we're definitely, we're definitely uh, glad to have you back. And yeah, that was uh, yeah. an interesting little thing to think about, certainly. Cause I don't, I don't think we really, uh, talked about that that side of the the, the the program for for a bit so yeah it's interesting to revisit that yeah absolutely and and thanks for indulging my question <laughs> no problem wow. 
was interesting. Um, so yeah, that, that actually does take us to about the two-hour mark now. So shall we shall we wrap things up? That, I mean, that feels like a good place to wrap things up. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, so uh, thanks for joining us, Lotsaf. Where can we find you in the internet? <sighs> oh, on the internet, all over the place. In real life, don't find me. Um, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, on the internet, you could find me twitch.tv slash lordzath. You could find me on Twitter. It's at lordzath with no underscore because at the time Twitter wasn't doing any underscore thing. YouTube.com slash lord underscore zath. I have a Patreon as well for people that would like some assistance in the game and would like some one-on-one tutoring and stuff like that. I'm available to help you out. Uh, I do have a Discord, although I don't remember the exact characters that go with it. You can also email me, lordzathna at gmail.com, L-O-R-D underscore Z-A-T-H-N-A at gmail.com. Also, actually, in real life, you can find me if you are on North American side, if you are in in North America. If you're outside of the country, you are welcome to join, too. Memorial Day weekend. Uh, God, I got. let me pull up the calendar. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, a bunch of content creators are getting together just to hang out. And we're getting together on the USS Kid. Uh, That is May 28th, Saturday, May 28th. And uh, we're going to get together and hang out. And if you feel like you'd like to hang out with us and stuff, by all means, come come hang out with us. Um, This is not a wargaming sponsored event or a wargaming event at any means. It's just a whole bunch of bunch of us content creators saying, you know, let's come hang out and hang, you know, and do something. Uh, you know, why not? Drakenfell is going to the East Coast? Damn. I didn't know that. Drakenfell uh, planning a little U.S. trip. Okay. But yeah, this is, a, this is USS Kid. This is a destroyer, which is the Tier 8 destroyer, of course, the American destroyer. It's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And like I said, it's going to be on uh, that Saturday, May 28th. So I'll be there. A bunch of others of us will be there. Son MG, Hapa Fodder, who used to work for Wargaming. Uh, I, I'm, I'm told Rita is going to go there. Uh, who else? Seven, Sea Raptor. I think Sith Kitten's going to go. A bunch of other people. So that'll be fun. That sounds like a nice little meetup. Hell, if you get enough people turning up, you know, you can just sail off with the ship, maybe. Just <laughs> take the high seas and, yeah. Come My understanding Europe. is it's actually it's actually off the water on on like oh, concrete. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Then we can, I guess, wrap it up here for this week. Thanks everyone for watching, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us.